0: hi everybody welcome back to the be there in five podcast i'm kate kennedy your host it is tuesday august something i stopped looking at dates it's uh, <laughs> it's getting to the point where it's it's shocking how much time has passed since we've been in whatever the hell state we're in and truly you look back and you're just like remember when we cared that Ariel charnas ignored cdc guidelines told us all she had COVID, used her privilege for a test scuttled off to the Hamptons and showcased herself outdoors walking whilst contagious. I mean, I, I still care that she did that, but when we, like, actually care, that, it just seems so long ago, you know? Or, like, Tiger King. Carol Baskin killed her husband, whacked him. Until I heard... Uh, what's the guy's name? The barstool guy, Dave Portnoy, say on TikTok that Suitman got fired from HBO. I had, like, forgotten about Suitman. And I spent you know a cool 25 minutes making a video transposing his face onto stoop kid from hey arnold would would think that'd be memorable i just i don't know remember the A O E spirit the first episode i did when we were like on lockdown actually we had a friend come over recently and he's he's a wonderful friend he meant well but um he basically was like yeah so um I was like telling women in my office like oh my friend has a podcast and they're you know it's about pop culture and they were excited to listen but like um yeah I don't know like how it went if uh it, it happened to be the week you I think did a, a, an episode only about dipping sauces And I was like oh my god <laughs> he's trying to delicately tell me these women were not returning customers and you know, it's funny that that's the sort of commentary I honestly get all the time. And it used to really upset me just in terms of feeling like people didn't understand what I was doing or that it wasn't important enough or people weren't understanding the context of what I do. And that like there is a market for that, like that episode did well. <laughs> and it was really a joke, kind of. So something for us all to uh, laugh about and to get our mind off of the you know impending lockdown. And uh, but I don't know. This weekend, I wasn't as bothered. I. I Took the chip off my shoulder and dipped it in some watery queso and said, yep, that's my job. These are my people. God bless. Guys, we can't apologize for who we are. Part of me wanted to be like, oh, my God, that's such a joke. Like, this is not like, you know, it's not me at all. But like, that's maybe the most me episode I've ever done, if I'm honest. So needless to say, I'm incredibly lucky to have you all who somehow get the things that other people very much don't. And I love you for it. And thank you for being here once again and always and forever. You have no idea how much I appreciate your interest, your engagement and your Commitment to keeping this as a part of your entertainment roster in a world where our interests and attention can be incredibly fragmented. It is not lost on me how lucky I am to have such wonderful listeners who are willing to listen to two hours of me talk about, like, school dress codes. <laughs> I never know when inspiration is going to strike. That's the beauty of this podcast. I don't plan very far in advance. And last week, as, as one does, uh, I saw a meme and got really inspired and decided, yeah, I could talk about that for two hours. And uh, started to crowdsource about school dress codes, wedding dress codes, all sorts of different things. And it kind of just spiraled into me thinking like, wow, this is actually kind of a bigger, broader, more important issue that also can be peppered with like funny, silly, nostalgic stories. Well, we talk more about school because that's more of what people send in than weddings, it, but even like parties or whatever. I mean, what the hell is snappy casual? This has plagued me my whole life. It's a very like sorority dress code for like parents weekend or your national chapter advisor comes to yell at you and make you feel like you're a part of something more important than these four years. But it really is only important for those four years. Um, it's like, I don't know, I feel like for the first couple of days of recruitment was snappy casual. And I was like, OK, so my interpretation is that I will take this fresh pair of citizens of humanity that are slightly baggy. I will tuck them into Uggs, which we all know a, a saggy pant looks the best tucked into a boot. I will wear a north face black denali that i did get a size too small because i wanted more of a going out top vibe unlike my snowboarding sporty peers who wanted more of like a zip into a shell vibe i had a former tendency to be way more about fashion than function it did not fit and it wasn't not very warm but actually when my is it a memory of growing up sitting at the dinner table i kind of jokingly said like fashion before function Because like, I don't know, I was probably kind of trying to like valley girl joke around, but they probably were concerned about me because I was watching so much Laguna Beach. And I just remember my entire family being like, never say that again. (laughs) Like, you sound so stupid. But here I am saying it to thousands of people, jokes on you. I'm just kidding. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, at Rush, we had to take, like, uh, we had had to wear these coats because it was in the middle of the mountains in Southwest Virginia in winter. So it was in the teens. We had to drop our coats a minute before we went into the house or something. So there was a bunch of... Women you don't know could maniacally scream at you and judge you for your appearance. And it was so cold. And we had to put our coats in a pile. And you guys uh, may be like, you haven't been through much. But like, no, I've seen some stuff. Have you ever tried to fish your own black North Face Denali out of a pile of other black North Face Denalis to make sure you get the one you specifically got a size too small so it looked like a going out top? And so you don't get somebody's old oversized pilling fleece from several Christmases ago? Mine was fresh from that Christmas. I honestly would... I remember like this is so stupid and I'm kidding. I know this is not a hardship, but um, I remember being inside at certain houses and feeling stressed about somebody taking my Denali fleece because like it, if, if you didn't have like fancy things thrown at you all the time when you got them, it was like a big deal. And I, you took care of them and um, all these, you know, chicks around me that just had stacks on stacks of on stacks of Yermans because they're meant to be stacked. Didn't understand my plight. I had a, that was also the era of please return to Tiffany's necklaces. And I do believe mine was from Chinatown. I got on a trip to New York with my sister and it did say, please return to (laughs) Tiffany's. But anyway, uh, so yeah, this episode is more about school dress codes, but Kelly Kelly joins me uh, later in the episode and we read some of the stories together at different points. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know, it's, it's interesting in it from an event standpoint because I mean, one thing I love, I love that women have variety in their dress options, but it does make it extremely hard to figure out what to wear at times. And I did not know how rampant it was to make up a dress code that like wasn't formal, like black tie, formal, semi-formal cocktail. Isn't cocktail at least casual? Yeah. But like, I mean, people, I mean, some of these are, are, are insane, like, virginia vineyard chic chilean winery chic winery chic but the wedding was not at a winery uh farm fancy dressy camp like actual camp like canteen sit upon you know get your soul saved by jesus by the end camp um black tie flexible yacht flare coastal festive seaside casual seaside formal nautical neat nautical chic a lot i mean I the beach ones are so funny. People are like, I do not understand how you can be black tie on a beach with sand. And I'm like, I agree. What is what's the deal with shoes? We need Pinterest boards, folks. You need to provide inspo to your guests. Anyways, this just turned out to be even more layered than I thought it would be. And I think it's interesting, even when you read the semi formal, formal cocktail, whatever definitions, they're unclear in and of themselves. They almost need further defining within the definition. Like you know, when you go to look up a word. So you go look up um, ambivalence and it's like the act of being ambivalent. And you're like, thanks, Nancy Drew. Now I have to go do double the work. Like, just tell me what it means, obviously. And the definitions are like uh, formal can be cocktail or semi formal in certain circumstances. But also it's like, well, what, wait, what is it? All dudes have to do is take on or, like, on or off a tie on or off a jacket. Whereas women, it's like if we wear the wrong thing to a wedding, we're accused of things like trying to take attention away from the bride. Like, which is such an insane and sexist thing to, to begin with. And I hate those sort of dress code things that are like, one must not draw attention to themselves. Like, yeah, we, you don't need to full on Jessica Rabbit at somebody else's wedding. But if you wear a form fitting dress or somebody told me you shouldn't wear red to a wedding. I've worn red to so many weddings. and It had nothing to do with me wanting to take attention away from the bride and everything to do with I'm a human being who likes a color. I mean, the one time I don't wear black, I get punished. But you know how I feel. I mean, that's how I struggle, why I struggle with a lot of different etiquette related things, because, you know, I feel about Emily Post. Um, It's kind of this fascinating uh, social code designed in theory to make one a hospitable hostess that actually is designed to make anybody that doesn't operate within this code feel incredibly inferior and be made to feel incredibly inferior. And I think that um I have no problem with dress codes but I have a problem with like mothers of the bride and people coming up to you and being like you must not have gotten the memo which is what people said would like things these things have happened or somebody telling you you're trying to take attention from the bride is so insane in the absence of wearing a full on wedding gown you know I just don't know why women are accused of these things but anyway I mean like what are you supposed to do a lot of the things people sent in like these things I'm saying like farm fancy or whatever these are the question was what is A dress code like it's been on an invitation that you were instructed to wear something in this (laughs) with within this dress code and you had no idea what it meant or like it was so unclear to you but when you're like people are making up dress codes with the entire point of a code is something that signifies uniformity so people don't dress out of code (laughs) you really so anyway they're just full-on oxymorons like imagine putting this earnestly on an invitation and thinking your guests will be clear about what to wear formal but casual dressy casual upscale casual casual elegance cute casual casual cute timeless casual relaxed casual wedding casual wedding i mean <laughs> what's wedding casual because weddings aren't usually casual yeah i mean i forget if i said some of these earlier earlier but like they just go on and on and they're so confusing one of the biggest offenders was um Mountain, like something, insert unclear word here, like mountain formal, mountain cocktail, mountain casual, mountain cheek, mountain elegance, like, or, you know, Jackson formal, mountain black tie. It's like, what's a mountain black tie? It, not all mountains are created equal. Are we going Paltrow? Or are we going Parton? You know, both, both frequent the mountains. One's Aspen, one's Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Both amazing places in their own right, different levels of casual. So, I just think people need to be more clear. Because if yeah, if I'm gonna get go to a mountain wedding, maybe I actually will get the shell to zip my Denali into it, you know? I always pretend to know all of these ski towns, but I have no freaking clue. Skiing is such a rich people hobby. I'm like, yeah, I love crested butte. And people are like, Is do you just know that? Because it's where Heidi Montag's from on the hills. And like, yeah, that's exactly why I know that. But (laughs) I wanna be part of the conversation. (laughs) Oh goodness. Actually this person that said cute casual and casual cute, she said like my friends and I use variations of cute, casual, cute, cute, casual and cute, cute. But actually, I get exactly what you're saying. It's cute, cute is kind of like, well, are you getting cute or are getting cute, cute is very similar to like, are we going out or are we going like out, out? Did you hook up or did you like hook up, hook up? I think that's very clear, <laughs> but that's the thing. I think it's subjective and what you understand, what you know, where you live on the one hand. When somebody says winter garden, I'm like, what? I don't, I, that, that's not, I'm, I'm not understanding. I feel like gardens die in the winter. But on the other hand, if you say Kardashian garden party, which was an actual submission, I'm like, got it. I find a neutral colored fabric that is as close to my skin tone as possible. I get pants in that tone. I get a bodysuit in that tone. I get a floor length duster in that tone. Goal is to wash out. Why am I not fully washed out? Because I do a full on Jafar contour of my cheekbones, of my nose. I paint on my eyebrows. I wear a slicked back bun or ponytail, whatever looks the most highest risk to my hairline. I show up, speak monotonously, look a little bit dead in the eyes and use the camera time to show everybody how loving I am to MJ. Meanwhile, I have gifted the Kardashian garden party person flowers, of course, but not any flowers Not a vase, not, you know, supermarket flowers. God, no, these flowers cannot have stems. These flowers cannot be in their natural habitat. These flowers cannot stand up right. That is gauche. That is yesteryear. These Nowadays, what we do is we hire somebody for thousands and thousands of dollars to just karate chop the heads off of thousands and thousands of roses in the greater Los Angeles area and assemble them in various shapes relevant to the occasion, whether it's letters or animals. Because if, you know, a baby is born and a life-size teddy bear next to a life-size elephant that makes you feel like you're at an earth science museum of tea roses is not assembled, enjoyed, and taken down for $10,000 within a three-hour period, then did it happen? No. Babies must be celebrated properly. Stormy Webster does not get out of her acrylic crib for less than $10,000. And much like that acrylic crib, I, as a result, find the theme Kardashian Garden Party to be crystal clear. Um, beyond that, I mean, people like if you tell somebody to, to 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 dress, you know, go to a ballpark where Lionel Richie's performing and you tell them the attire is fun, funky and warm. I mean, <laughs> I honestly don't. Yeah. All, you will be up all night long trying to figure out what to wear to that Lionel Richie concert. It's it's that's an actual thing somebody said did fun, funky and warm. I don't know why I find that so funny. I really am off put by the term funky. Uh, it's just, I just feel like it's everything I'm not. Eccentric is the more palatable version of funky, I think. I don't know, like when if somebody described your style as funky, wouldn't you be offended? <laughs> but if they said eccentric, I'd be like, cool. People don't, I think that like for weddings, especially if you're getting married where you grew up, you don't realize that if you didn't grow up very specific to where you are, other people have no idea what that means or what that looks like. And so many people submitted, uh, submitted, uh, submitted like Delta Casual, Delta Formal, Classic Delta, whatever. And I was like, well, my first thought was, oh, fun, an airline, like airline themed party. It's like Chrissy Deegan and John Legend's birthday party where they all dressed up like stewardesses. Um, my second thought was like, well, maybe it's like Delta, Delta, Delta. Can I help you, help you, help you? Help you. <laughs> Just kidding. I hate those things. <laughs> Try a Delta. Everyone else has. Um i because I, I was like oh maybe this the all these people happen to be tried else but no none of those things i almost i would have showed up like a goddamn pan am stewardess when it's just a dress code very specific to mississippi i'm from virginia but i i, I did i did not know that maybe perhaps i'm dense but i don't know i, I when you type in delta dress code the first thing that comes up is the the dress code for delta's uh business class and if you want to know it is relaxed and it does apply to the body pass the other sensation that was fascinating to me—I mean, truly, like the, I—there could not have been more responses for this either. The insertion of the word "garden" into everything, like garden chic, garden casual, afternoon garden formal, or afternoon garden cocktail, cocktail garden—I I, like—I don't even know. It was—it's so interesting how, um, like dress codes are meant to be streamlined, but they really kind of aren't, and people just throw in whatever term they want. But the garden one was interesting to me because in my head, that was, that means like floral. You wear something floral, but apparently that's not even true. It's just like a, a, I don't know, an essence, perhaps. Uh, Like, but is it necessarily sundressy? Is it more formal than that? I don't know. And like, there's so many different types of garden. I mean, there's a freaking olive garden. I don't know. Molly McIntyre's Victory Garden. I mean, Sonia Morgan in that um, town, that overgrown, heatless toilet (laughs) clogged lifeless townhouse she always referred to and like had parties out in what she called the garden but like it was this overgrown i mean it was a giant before picture it was it looked like it hadn't been touched in in many many years and i don't know what a person wears to that i don't think alice nor olivia can take on that garden i even think of like uh i feel like more so than fancy gardens i think about Like my sisters in law and I were when we were up in Traverse City, there was places that sell those like blown glass garden ornaments that are like so quirky and funky and weird. And like, there's so many of them and they're so expensive. We're like, who buys these? They're going to have a billboard for your mom's token, like artsy friend who, you know, has a beaded uh, glasses chain and wears her hair up in a banana clip. You know what I mean? What was I talking about? Oh, gardens. (laughs) Yeah, my point is, there's, 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 I find that inherently unclear. I was shocked how popular it was. I think there's a lot of different types of gardens. And moreover, I don't want to show up and risk it being Betty's garden and her telling me to go F myself and not leading me there because of my attire. How embarrassing. OK, so we're going to switch gears to school dress codes. And then we'll go back to we'll finish up with some fun wedding ones where Kelly comes back in and talks with me. But uh, I wanted to. Shift gears to school dress codes is something I've been seeing a lot of uh, conversation surrounding lately. And actually, at the same time I saw that meme about spaghetti straps, there was a Washington Post article that was a follow up to a viral photo of a school that was like packed like sardines in the hallways. And the kids weren't wearing masks. And the principal responded more or less saying that he can't control what the kids wear. But that's an incredibly ridiculous thing to say. You can send somebody home or take them out of class for wearing spaghetti straps. Obviously, you can control what they wear. And this is totally different. This is in the name of public health, not not preventing your Christian brothers from stumbling. Like, I think we can make the masks happen, but you can't do something in the name of public safety. And I thought it was a pretty interesting discussion when you think about it. And that coinciding with this dress code thing, I was like, well, let's talk about both dress codes because the the post is right. I mean, the. The war on spaghetti straps is a tale as old as time. And by that, I guess I mean like 91 when they really kind of became a thing. I actually just Googled origin of spaghetti straps and I didn't really feel like going past the first page of Google, but it kind of seems like I don't I'm not totally clear on when they went from like undergarments to like camisoles that you can wear visibly. Camisoles to shirts is kind of a confusing transition, just like leggings to pants were. But I can't take that on right now. Honestly, if anything, I'm the most concerned with the fact that the stra- most straps on what people consider to be spaghetti straps are hardly spaghetti and leave it to the fashion industry to incorrectly label a car because they've never seen it in their life. Like, it at, the vi- it t- it at best, a spaghetti strap is like a bucatini. More often than not, it's probably more akin to a fettuccine or a tagliatelle. Sometimes I play fast and loose with, like, more of a paparadelli with. But typically at my school, you get sent home immediately if you even tried to do anything shy of a lasagna ribbon. But even that wasn't as becoming on my fierce, you know, exhilaration by Target ribbed horizontal striped shirts that did wonders for my boyish figure. I just feel like spaghetti straps are, it's a kitschy name that's, you know, needlessly targeted in the dress code world. And beyond that, incorrectly, offensively named by people that don't know their pasta. But first I want to talk about one of our sponsors and I want to give you a, a, you know, suggestion for how you can be prepared for an upcoming episode. Some light homework, if you will. So I'm so excited because this week's sponsor is Audible. I've used Audible for many, many years. As you likely know, they're the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. You know, bestseller, celebrity memoirs, news, business, self-development, you name it, they've got it. The way it works is every month, members get one credit to pick any title. They also get two Audible originals from a monthly selection, access to daily news digests, and guided meditation programs. But beyond that, there's a really cool service they're offering right now, especially for families with children that are affected by COVID-19 that I'll get to. But first, your homework. So I love a celebrity memoir. I love anything adjacent to pop culture. If you look through my Audible, it's a real who's who of of life stories from Anna Kendrick to Amy Schumer, from Michelle Obama to Lauren Graham, from Andy Cohen's Superficial to the Andy Cohen Diaries. I'll, I'll get inspired to take the road less traveled with Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, then reel it back in by reading Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, because I'm interested in how to socialize from experts that tell you how to fit in or stand out. I, I, I love, love, love listening to audiobooks. I say that I read, but when I read, I say I mean, I listen. And what I'm listening to this week and next week, as soon as I can get it done, is Finding Freedom, the book about Harry and Meghan, otherwise known as Megxit, which I think should be called Sus Exit, because they both left, let's be honest. I'm going to listen to that. Merit Beck is listening to that, my royal correspondent, and we are going to do a podcast recapping it. I don't know what depends when we'll get time to record it um, and when we both finish it. But yeah, it's Finding free Freedom by Omid Scobie. And if you go to audible.com slash be there in five or text be there in five to five zero zero five zero zero, you'll get a free audiobook when you sign up for Audible. And whether you want to read Finding Freedom or maybe, you know, we're intellectuals here. So Stephanie Meyers, Midnight Sun, is that, that's up to you. But I think starting out with a free audiobook is pretty cool. And why not do some homework and uh, participate along with us? So you'll be up to speed when we review Finding Freedom on the podcast. Again, visit audible.com slash be there in five or text be there in five to five zero zero five zero zero. And with a sign up for Audible, you'll get a free audiobook. OK, even though that's the end of the re- like regular ad, I wanted to take a, a little bit more of your time because I think this is important. So in response to COVID-19 and the current quarantine, a lot of homeschooling going on, um, Audible launched a special website where anyone anywhere can stream hundreds of uh, their titles completely free, no strings attached, for as long as this, you know, kind of quarantine-ish period lasts. And you can go to stories.audible.com and what they want is to offer everyone including parents educators and caregivers anyone really helping kids as as daily routines are disrupted a screen-free experience to look forward to each day you don't have to be an audible member to access these free stories and most of the titles are suitable for the whole family it's i think it's just a really great resource and something really important that they're doing to allow kids and families who are away from uh, the, the stimulation of the classroom to have other content that they can absorb that's educational and entertaining at the same time. They come in a variety of different languages. They're, it's kind of a mix of education, entertainment, classics, general interest content. And you can access all of this ad-free, for free, on computers, tablets, and smartphones. So to access this, go to uh, stories.audible.com. Again, stories.audible, stories.audible.com. Anyways, that's just a separate thing I wanted you guys to be aware of because I think it's a really cool thing for them to do. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, so people sent in their stories from getting in trouble with the school about the dress code. And this is a different thing because while it's one thing to ask people to wear a certain level of formality or on a certain theme for an event, it's a totally different thing at a school. An environment meant for learning Especially in, in the context of a public school, how dress codes are often harmful double standards against women often can be discriminatory. And even though many schools, you know all, all over the world have have dress codes in place to establish, you know what they would deem an appropriate learning environment, to establish community and unity, many schools, depending on where you are, and to varying degrees seem to focus less on creating a learn optimal learning environment on you know, discouraging what may impede upon education and focus more on on targeting young females in often sexist ways that controls what they wear, kind of due to the implied absence of being able to control how young men behave. And these are the things that you look back on. In life, and you're like, yeah, that doesn't seem right, or that doesn't seem fair. And beyond that, I think the dress codes are one thing, but the enforcement is really the more important thing. Most people's stories are that they didn't really break it to any severe degree that would distract somebody, you know. Even though that concept in and of itself is a problem, but even if we're not going to dig into that, the the enforceability is often quite arbitrary by the staff, and it, I don't know. There's a whole lot there. This issue is so much deeper than spaghetti straps and fingertip length and male versus female uh there's so many issues that people of color face that young men and women who identify as lgbtq may face that that are those groups not being not only being more likely to be targeted to unfairly enforce the dress code but also in that the school boards, these de- decision making bodies, I mean, this is where we need to be mindful of the importance of diversity and representation, because if you have a mostly white, mostly male homogenous decision making body, instead of making decisions and putting in place dress codes and school policies that reflect the student body, they're more likely to solve problems you know as a reflection of the experience of the people sitting at the table and a lot of these are old and perhaps just need to be revisited but they're upheld and you know if we have all white grandfathers grandfathering in these dress codes they may not understand why it's important to factor in not just gender but gender expression that it's you know perhaps it's insensitive or offensive to prohibit somebody from wearing a head wrap just the importance of understanding that hair discrimination is a thing and the style and texture and length requirements that many institutions place upon their patrons, their students, employees, whatever it may be, are incredibly discriminatory and not factoring in any cultural nuance whatsoever. And a faculty member, an authority figure, singling you know, a young person out further and shaming them essentially for what how they look i mean i there's are no there's there are endless uh damaging messages built in there but the most important one is you are responsible for other people's behavior and response to you you control how distracting you are and you need to dilute and control who you are because you need to be like everybody else instead of what a learning environment should be teaching which is to accept and celebrate yourself despite not being like everybody else these things don't seem like a big deal they are internalized and they do matter and we should be doing what we can to make young people feel confident in the event that it's not genuinely disruptive i think that's the key thing here Uh, there it's understandable to seek what is undistracting and prudent to a degree in terms of uniformity but there has to be a line drawn for when it's going too far, for when it's a little too touchy-feely or invasive, for when it's arbitrarily enforced, for when it's racist, for when it's discriminatory or punishes uh, you know, young women for the shape of their body and the way that clothes happen to fit them. And if you don't believe that these things are internalized and matter, I invite you to stick around uh, on this podcast as I read stories that are vividly recalled as if they were yesterday from probably well over 20 years ago for many of us this is this topic is memorable for a reason and i got hundreds and hundreds of emails for a reason in a way that even other topics haven't solicited and i hate that i can't read all of them out loud so many of them were super similar topic wise that i'm going to group them the best i can um i always try to do like part of the episode kind of setting up and talking about the topic half doing stories I think I don't know. I feel like there's there needs to be a balance. Sometimes there can be story fatigue. Sometimes I'll continue them on Patreon. I never really know the direction these are going to take. But what's important to me is not only to present a topic the way I see it, but then to also crowdsource so I'm representing as many people's experiences as I can. But even with that, my target demographic is not necessarily wholly representative of everyone and the people that write in, uh, you know, I have no way to account for what their background is, but you know my my specific experience in terms of like getting in trouble is pretty limited to um just the frustration of being like a tall kid and it's weird when they're so strict about fingertip length, even though fingertip length is the farthest thing from like objectively sexy or distracting, and like on a you know lanky kid that hasn't even like gone to sex ed yet, you know like you're being sexualized in a weird way by being required to have finger length length shorts when my inability to wear finger fingertip length shorts had nothing to do with me wanting to tempt the boys and everything to do with not all femurs are created equal and to judge the length of your shorts by the length of your arms is completely illogical because the length of the thing you're determining is relative to the length of one's legs and the length of your arms aren't necessarily correlated with the optimal point at which they should hit your thigh it made no sense. And I got in I was always getting called out for this. And like, as you grow, you feel anxious about pulling it off. And I mean, I don't know, it's just a weird thing to look back on that is funny, because even though it doesn't matter if I was trying to be a temptress or not, it's just like, the sexualization is in the enforcement of suggesting something is sexual, not in the action of wearing shorts that are a smidge too short, you know. And even um, I went back and looked at my county's current dress code, because I wanted to make sure the way I talk about dress codes, not only is it reminiscing on how they were, but I wanted to know like what, where they are now. And they're actually not that different. I actually, can, there's nothing different to my knowledge from when I graduated in 2005 from high school. Yeah, they have dresses. The, these items are prohibited. Uh, so it says students are expected to dress neatly <laughs> and not wear clothing that may be considered distracting. They use the word distracting. What's distracting? Dresses, skirts, shorts or athletic shorts and other similar clothing that are shorter than fingertip length, even when worn with leggings. Not acceptable. Swimwear and sleepwear. Understandable. Tube tops, halter tops, halter top dresses, strapless dresses, or tops of dresses with spaghetti straps. Female tops must be at least two inches wide at the shoulder. Clothing that reveals the midriff when sitting down or standing. Uh, Waistbands on shorts or skirts cannot be rolled down. Shorts and pants with writing on the back are not allowed. Well, joke's on you. You've been to TikTok lately. The wording's on the front. Hats, hoods, or head coverings may not be worn in the building at any time. Pants are to be worn on the hips. This includes oversized pants. Belts may be required. Clothing that is see-through, revealing, or resembles undergarments is not allowed. Clothing with inappropriate wording or pictures is not acceptable. Sunglasses are not to be worn in the building. Spiked jewelry, chains, and items that could cause injury are not allowed. Initial violations of the dress code will result in the student being required to call a parent for a change of clothing or the option to wear their PE uniform for the rest of the day. For what it's worth, not once did I ever see a dude wearing his gym uniform outside of gym class. How often did I see a girl wearing her gym uniform outside of gym class? Every single day. Not to say that some of them didn't deliberately break the rules. And to be fair, I I think that fair means everyone should be held responsible for inappropriate behavior. But instead, what's happening is that women are held responsible for the prevention of men's potential inappropriate behavior so as not to interrupt their uh, clearly prioritized education. And, like, I don't know. Again, like, I don't want people to dress like they're going to a nightclub. I don't need sheer cutouts. My argument isn't for women to be able to, like, dress hypersexually. My argument is, like, this is, like, this element of, of control over women, that is kind of exhibited in small ways by suggesting and projecting that there's something sexually substantially different that is distracting two men between a spaghetti strap and a strap of, you know, like what I say, a lasagna ribbon. Like there there's, <laughs> it, it's these small examples that they use to like nitpick women's clothing to cover them up in ways that just, like, aren't meaningfully sexual. At least I don't think so. And it just is, like, a, a creepy element of control that, to me, would make more sense if it was just, like, y- you need straps. and then, You know what I mean? Not, like, b- nitpicking the type of straps. I just don't know what two inches is doing. Like, it's just, I don't know. Okay, well, here's another example. So that was the county I grew up in, which I wouldn't classify as super conservative, especially not to what people wrote in. Um even though, you know, relative to like Chicago, it would be considered conservative because what I did was I looked up like, okay, so uh Chicago High School, Lincoln Park High School, I looked up their dress code. It's kind it's kind of surprisingly breezy and high level. Um it says that student clothing should cover all areas normally covered in a professional setting, chest, midsection, thighs, etc. Additionally, clothing with profanity, sexual content and or tobacco, alcohol or drug products or references is prohibited. We do not allow labels, symbols and or markings that display gang affiliation and or are derogatory in nature or any items that will disrupt the orderly educational process of the school. So that's like kind of high level. And I don't know what they could enforce is disrupting the orderly educational process of the school. But for the most part, it's like how people Dress in life that is considered professional. Like these people operate in the world. They're around other people. They go places. They are going to be influenced by other things. So, yeah, (laughs) what's your normal? Dress close to that. And which could have its risks, but I'd argue is pleasantly high level. Then, on the flip side of that, I went to one of the like bigger counties in Georgia just to look for an example. And theirs is so almost comically detailed as it relates to nitpicking the nature of women's clothing that just goes to show the level of control that is that is often sought when establishing these because none of none of these things if not done or if slightly off or convey anything close to what would be traditionally considered provocative or sexual it's just trying to like put women in a brown paper bag and like hoping men don't notice them because they must be hoping that men are the ones who you know get the best education like i don't know it doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me like listen to this shirts and blouses including all t-shirts must be an appropriate size for the wearer unacceptable attire includes clothing that exposes the torso such as see-through garments halters spaghetti straps backless dresses tube tops tank tops regardless of strap size or muscle shirts bare midriff outfits or shirts or blouses that are tied at or may rise above the waist Note, sleeveless shirts that reach the outside edge of the shoulder are permissible. Oh, saucy. Skirts, shorts, and skorts and pants must be fitted at the waist and must be at a minimum to the knee-length area. The school board deems miniskirts to be disruptive, and they are not allowed. Oh my god, cringing. This includes skirts and dresses and includes any opening, such as a slit that exposes the thigh above the knee area designation. As a rule of thumb, parents may use a dollar bill held sideways for measurement of no more than two and a half inches from the crease at the back of the knee. All pants, including jeans, must be of traditional style, without cutouts or holes and without excessive ornamentation. RIP, true religion. They must be fitted at the waist and must not be baggy or oversized or undersized and not sagging or frayed at the bottom. Jesus! <laughs> it's about Outside of your, your dad's dockers, like, what do you want people to how do? You, how are you supposed to have style? At, at that, at a point when, when I'd have uniforms or what do people call it these days, like standardized dress? Like I think a lot of schools are adopting more of a, I mean, I don't know, some schools that I looked up again, I, this isn't science. I'm just doing light research for uh, context sake are kind of taking on more of a, here's what you can wear instead of here's all the million things you can't that we're just writing in because a student got in trouble for it. Like it kind of seems to me like, even my uh former high school doing like the shorts roll-up thing like that was such a big issue with like sophie shorts i guarantee you it was like written in my year because that's super specific and we used to get in so much trouble for rolling up our gym shorts just because they weren't cute not cute in a way that's hot to men cute in a way that like i don't know people have personal style and fashion and taste and i i don't know can't we do something for ourselves like don't get me wrong i lived for male attention when i was younger and I largely am always trying to get my husband to like my outfits, but he just isn't, isn't like really getting biker shorts right now, but we're we we'll, well, hopefully we'll work through it. Um, but also this one says leggings, oh, pants must not drag on the floor. Leggings are considered an accessory and are to be covered by the appropriate length skirt dress or other garment. Note, we define leggings as any type pants without pockets or zippers. Unacceptable shorts include, but are not limited to, athletic shorts, bandex-style bicycle shorts, cut-off jeans, cut-off sweatpants, short shorts, what? Running shorts and boxer-type shorts, or any see-through garment. I think we got that. Note, all high-low dresses or dresses with a see-through outer layer must also meet the dress code requirements on all sides of the dress and solid liner layer. Belts, if worn, must be secured at the waist and buckled, excessively... All straps must be fastened and sashes must be tied. Is that like something so you don't trip? Like what? Excessively large belt buckles are prohibited. It's a sad day for women in the 80s and cowboys. No hats, sweatpants, bandanas, or other head covers. No bandanas or scarves of any type will be allowed. No scarves? See, that's what I mean. Is like that include head scarves for religious purposes? Or just is that preventing the uh general confusion of an ornamental pajmina that has no weather warmth yeah i mean beyond that i mean it's the last item on this it specifically calls out grills or metallic caps on the teeth i mean that it's just the whole thing is like <laughs> it's just it's geared toward women or people of color just it is and like when you look at these these dress codes for whatever you're looking at whether it's an employer or school whatever just like notice the essays that exist within the categories that apply to women and how needless the requirements are relative to what they're claiming these things would do in terms of sexual temptation. It has nothing to do with that, it has everything to do with control. Like, may I just revisit momentarily? Fitted at the waist, minimum at the knee. School board deems mini skirts to be disruptive. This includes any opening, such as a slit exposing the thigh above the knee area designated. You must use this dollar bill held sideways for a measurement more than two and a half inches from the crease of the back of the knee. All pants, traditional style, no cutouts, no holes, no ornamentation fitted at the waist, must not be baggy, must not be oversized, must not be undersized, must not be sagging, must not be frayed, not drag on the floor. Leggings are not pants. They must be covered by the appropriate length, skirt, in accordance with the dollar bill rule, a dress or other garment. They define leggings as tight pants without pockets or zippers, and unacceptable shorts are not athletic shorts, bike shorts, cutoff jeans. Cut-off sweatpants, short shorts, running shorts, boxer-type shorts, see-through shorts. No high-low dresses, especially not with a see-through outer layer, to meet the dress code requirements on all sides of the dress of the solid liner layer. It's like, <laughs> I know I said that twice, but, like, truly, you guys, that is, sh- that, with the exception of, like, basketball shorts for dudes, um, that, it is so creepily controlling Of what a woman wears for no functional reason that has anything to do with learning. Correction, anything to do with the young woman's ability to learn. I think what people don't realize is that a dress code like that, that's that specific and that would, you know, pull a girl out of class or make her wear her gym shirt or call her parents or send her home for Inches above the knee that are so specific to hold a dollar bill. I mean, the, the, those types of restrictions and that level of of attempted control—it's it, just sending the message that the the school's priority is the education of the male student. And the irony of the argument that's written in so many dress codes about the element of distraction. I mean distracting is pulling a young woman from class to change distracting is a woman walking around in her gym clothing distracting is having to miss class to call your parents or go to the nurse's office till they bring you something else to wear it's kind of unbelievable when you think about it because not only do young women have to dress in a way that doesn't you know have the potential to attract the male gaze so as to not distract them from their education, the young woman is punished by even having the potential of her clothes distracting a young man. And her punishment often has to do with some element of forfeiting her own education to go change or to go home or to call their parents. And that's the sort of thing that makes it so clear that they're protecting men's education that makes things unequal. And if you think this is a needless thing for me to complain about or bring up, then fair would be if a dude is caught staring, then he has to, uh, you know, turn his chair around, stand in the corner, go to the nurse, nurse's office, wear a blindfold. I don't care if if there is a visible, obvious, humiliating, and shameful consequence for the potential of being stared at, then. The the only way that fair exists is if there's a consequence for staring. I'm not like burning my bra out here. It's just, it is what it is. It's like, it's really, really archaic and problematic when you think about it. And I think that when it's kind of this cycle where, I mean, we need to give people more agency. We need to have a little bit more faith in young people. I mean, And in suggesting to young men that they can't control themselves, it sends a message that we have no faith in them as young men who can respect women can control themselves. Like, these people have to be operating respectful individuals within society. And, you know, it's it's good to send the message early and often that your right to stare and ogle and objectify another woman is not contingent uh, upon how visible her body is that's that like victim blaming mentality that like really d- gets drilled into people's heads at a very young age and it kind of is embedded in like the public school dress code like this element of you're asking for it like you're you are attracting this type of attention towards yourself not that every individual is accountable for the type of attention they give to another person and like okay let's just say let's just say uh shorts you know three or four inches above the knee are distracting let's just say that extra you know surface area fabric you get from a a spaghetti strap to a lasagna ribbon you know let's say that's that's the difference in what is and isn't distracting again i'm not talking about like uh tease out whale tail thong like I understand there's things that are deliberately over-sexual, but I'm talking about this level of control over young women and enforcement and impeding upon their class time. If, if, If those small things are, in fact, distracting to another person to a degree that it impedes on their education, then let it. Let them suffer that consequence, because you know what helps people improve their behavior? suffering consequences in learning from them you know what reinforces bad behavior excusing it by telling them they can't help themselves it's good to learn how to focus it's good to learn how to not be distracted but if you are distracted and can't compartmentalize or focus or can't not objectify women then fine your class time should get cut into you should suffer but to disrupt young women's education for efforts that are meant to not disrupt young men perpetuates the archaic and sexist message that women have been sent since the beginning of time that what you look like is more important than what you know or learn or think. And I know I'm a broken record. I've talked about this a lot before. I mean, I myself am a pretty covered up person. I can't figure out why. If it's like, I think a lot of times it's in somebody's nature. I think sometimes it's learned. I know I still as a grown woman still feel really gross when I notice somebody looks at me and then I feel bad about it. And like I don't, you know, whatever that is. But um, I just, I don't know. It's it's not like I'm trying to promote, uh, you know, kids like young women, girls dressing age inappropriately or wearing whatever they want. It's that. I think that we don't realize how much these uh, small things play into a person's self-image that impact their decision-making in terms of how they dress, or how they rebel, or how they perceive themselves sexually. And a lot of the problematic manifestations of one's sexuality are a result of them being over-sexualized by these very types of rules. And just as I talked about in the True Love Weight series I did last, what, November, where we talked a lot about the 90s and 2000s, like, like purity rings and the conferences and all that stuff. The this I argue a similar logic applies in that an overemphasis on modesty or purity or whatever, like the way it is tied to a woman's self worth, especially in super conservative public school or religious environments is such so problematic because in the event some element of your purity or of your modesty is is taken from you so is your perception of your value because again when we're sexualizing women to this degree we're telling them their value is their body and my point is whether it's an environment that is trying to prevent um you know over sexualization or an environment that sexually exploits young women they're both sexualizing in, in different ways that should be recognized. And the former is seen as preventative. But I think it has more of an impact on people than, than they think it does. And the goal is never ex- it's never exploitation. It's education and it's empowerment. And like, I don't know what this looks like or how this works. I don't have kids. I lie awake at night sometimes. And I'm like, how on earth do you teach somebody to be I- empowered and a decision maker And be educated about their own body and sexuality in a way that still establishes the importance of um, discretion, mutual respect, consent, of pacing oneself, uh, of of the realities of uh, how many creeps and predators and coercive people are out there and how to recognize them, how to dress age appropriately in a way that isn't shameful beyond that all i really want is for the focus not to be on looks and not to be on somebody's body and for that to be an afterthought and i also get that like there i mean minors aren't adults they do need to be protected to a degree there is an element of prevention there of like you like as a parent you can't control other people and the reality of the world is there are weirdos and that's scary like i i you know out and about with my friends when i was young i definitely like you just don't it's not even on your radar that people would like stare at you or at you or be creepy. It's not like you're on guard for it. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's complicated, but I guess the bottom line is like, even if nothing changes, like my God, from an early age, everyone needs to know there's a lot of things that are going to distract us in life, throw you off guard. But self-control is important and focus is important. And if we all constantly insist that male willpower is non-existent and blame the sources of their distraction, it, I just hope above all else, there's a huge focus on personal accountability in that sense of the distracted and not just the distractor. Beyond that, I mean, the, <sighs> educational institutions should do everything in their power to not be a hospitable environment. For microaggressions or implicit racism through their dress codes. I was reading a New York Times opinion piece called Black Girls Can't Dress Their Way Out of Racist or Sexist Policies that pointed to something the National Women's Law Center uh, put out called Dress Coded Black Girls' Bodies and Bias in DC Schools. And it's a really interesting piece. Uh, if anybody, I'll put the uh, link in the uh, show notes. But it's talking, it basically talks about how uh, like, he- things like head wraps and coats and tank tops are just a few of the items keeping girls from their education in D.C. Too many students are removed from the classroom and even sent home, often illegally, for violating dress codes. And the rules aren't applied equally. Stud- students report that black girls, and especially curvier students, are disproportionately targeted. Disturbingly, schools tell girls they must change in order to avoid distracting their male classmates, to avoid being sexually harassed. These punishments interrupt girls' educations while sending dangerous messages to the school community. How a girl looks is more important than what she thinks. Yeah, those. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm always glad when my take is similar to somebody else's, and not that that's a good thought, but like, yeah, that's kind of what I was gleaning when I was reading these um, uh, dress codes, um, and that girls are ultimately responsible for the misbehavior of boys uh it's anyways it's a really interesting report you can download the pdf of it's specific to dc schools but i think especially if you're an educator especially if you work with a lot of bipoc youth being aware of i mean there's many there are many places that explicitly ban black hairstyles and will call out like i guess I'd better to sp- not speak in generalities and read you an example but you know you read stories and it's just like come on it, it's it's so upsetting like there's a little girl, a seven-year-old named Tiana, in Tulsa, who got in trouble um, in school for having dreadlocks, and she was and she was told as a seven-year-old that they were not presentable and that they would distract from the respectful and serious atmosphere the school strives for. That school's dress code specifically states that hairstyles such as dreadlocks, afros, mohawks, and other faddish styles are unacceptable. And then other schools may not do this explicitly but it will Im- imply it by essentially encouraging you know whether it's men need to have hair above a certain length to keep it short and or basically recommending fully straight hair for women and it's just it's so wrong to imply that somebody's natural hair would be inappropriate or not presentable or not considered neat in co- in compliance with the school's policy that's utter nonsense you're going to require young black girls to spend hours straightening their hair just to be allowed to attend school to get their education? Are you kidding me? Like in 2020, the f- like reading that some schools still have these sort of rules is so upsetting. And yeah, if, if you are involved with any any institution that educates young people, I encourage you to look at the dress code and just keep an eye out for these microaggressions, because this is this is what is teaching people at a very young age that they're they are not welcome as they are that their culture is not part of the school's culture that their individuality needs to be muted diluted taken down and not that they need to assimilate with you know what typically everything is being you know geared to assimilate toward which is things that are white things that are straight things that are cisgender things that are thin you know it's like the, our world is designed to be really favorable to those four things and I think that in a particular instance, especially if you fall into the majority in one of those four arenas, it's easy to dismiss things like what I'm saying as a non-issue or like being difficult or overreacting or like, it's fine, but it's just important. And this is what I'm trying to challenge myself to do constantly is take a step back and ask myself, who isn't, who is this designed to benefit? And what am I ignoring? Because I'm defined by the absence of being oppressed by this. Somebody else is defined by being oppressed by this what does that look like how does that feel how can i push things forward to be more inclusive and i think that in the context of of children of teenagers it just breaks my heart uh, like to have the place you go to learn are learning that in some way the way that they are is not welcome I don't know. I just don't know how you can, like, think about being a young person in school and being taught that and doesn't just, like, crush you. It's just, it's like, it's just, it's messed up on so many reasons. Anyways, I don't mean to harp. It's just, like, I want people to be aware that uh, these things exist in the fine print. These things are arbitrarily enforced depending on um, the faculty or staff member. And you never know what issues people have going on. And just to be mindful to stand up for people and policies to be improved and to reflect everybody. A lot of times these things are established when the school is founded, which could have been a really long time ago, predominantly white males and just worth revisiting. I also like if you think these things don't matter and you think these things aren't internalized, then I would love to refer you to my inbox with hundreds of emails about their experiences getting in trouble for school dress codes. Obviously, I don't have time to read them all. And like, I kind of bit off more than I could chew with this episode because it's about I wanted it to be like light and heavy, like about weddings and silly stuff and parties and also school. But I do think there's a more important message here. And that's why I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this, um, because I think that it's a testament to like, I don't know. I I guess I can only speak for myself, but I think a lot of us can barely remember what we did last week. But these experiences are so cemented and immortalized in our brains because a time when a a person in a position of power and authority figure someone you respect you know yeah you remember when you get in trouble period whether it's your fault or not but specifically you remember the feeling it evoked when you were singled out and it was really made to feel like you did something shameful you were humiliated or you were responsible for something much bigger than anything you ever intended I think there's a difference between a deliberate attempt to break a dress code for deviance sake and p- young women whose bodies develop, whose shorts are an inch or two off, whose spaghetti straps are, you know, questionable. It's just that's what I'm arguing for. And like when I saw girls get in trouble for school, it was almost always the latter where it was just kind of um, these inadvertent like misalignments with certain requirements about strap width or short length or tightness or something or cleavage. If you're just, if you happen to be bustier than other people, you know? Okay. So now we're shifting gears. Now we're going to go to, I recorded part of the school dress code stories with Kelly and then part of the wedding stories with Kelly. And then what I'll actually do is, um, I need to figure out what to do with the rest of these, um, with these stories maybe i'll do a patreon i never want to promise because i don't know <laughs> recording stuff takes longer than you think and i never know what i'll have time for um but I, I will use the rest of these stories in some capacity sometimes i'll do like a patreon episode that's like the lost files where i read emails that didn't get read on the itunes podcast we'll figure something out uh i just you know i, I am i lean into long form but i try to keep it at two hours like i there's so much to this topic that i did not see coming and I don't know, it's it's getting it's getting a bit lengthy, uh, fingertip lengthy, if you will. Uh, okay, so now let's let's see what Kelly's up to. She is my sister, by the way, for those of you that don't know, and she was in, in town, and it's so much more fun to read with other people than by myself, so I hope you don't mind any audio issues associated with uh, back and forth, but um, I thought it was really fun to get her input as well, since we were both definitely affected by all things school dress code. Thank you so, so, so much to anybody who wrote in. If you wrote in, I typically just will say thank you, and I don't mean to be curt or short or disproportionate to the amount you wrote, but actually I'm not reading it yet because I try to read them on air so I can react with you guys, so never think I'm being short with you. I'm so appreciative of absolutely everybody, and the thing is, with two people, you get through a little bit less because you're having conversations, but it's more fun for me to have somebody. It's a real toss-up. Anyway, now, now off to Kelly. We survived a tornado warning. And I made cacio e pepe as comfort food, which is just elevated mac and cheese. But it was
1: so good. And I was impressed uh, that you found the recipe via TikTok. I did. I actually think TikTok is one of the more effective mediums
0: for recipes because in one minute, they're like, look how easy this is. And they throw stuff in and then it's delicious. And then all the comments are like, I'm obsessed. And I saw this a while ago and they were basically like, uh this is four ingredients and it really was. And it was kind of a mess to make, but I wanted something cozy because I thought we were going to be like shelter in place.
1: Yeah. It was, I mean, all the alerts were going off, like literally go, go find shelter right now immediately. And so I left work and came right here. Yeah. It was spooky. Yeah.
0: Kelly and I growing up as it relates to dress codes, we went to um, public schools K through 12 and we both had our run-ins for sure. Nothing like that extreme. So when we grew and we got to the age where your shorts had to be fingertip length, uh, that was a very consistent problem. And it's one of those things where like, everyone else is wearing shorts. You don't want to be hot and wear jeans because you're like, you know, and go outside and stuff sometimes. And uh, at our school, if you broke the dress code, you had to put on your gym uniform, which was a putrid (laughs) olive green with gold accents <laughs> yeah,
1: with like where you would write your name uh-huh, like, in Sharpie in Sharpie. And so that's what you would have to wear if your shorts were too short.
0: And like that, that is a shame. That's public shaming. Cause everyone it's worse than like withholding you and making you change right. clothes because everyone knows you got in trouble for dressing inappropriately.
1: Right. And you're so called out because no one is wearing their gym uniform in the hallways. No, it like was- it's clearly because of that. And then it, it yeah. And then you felt guilty for doing something. Uh, yeah. It's like upsetting.
0: It, it, and I get that the rules have to be enforced. I think that my argument would be that they're subjectively enforced. Yes. Like if you had a teacher that kind of not had it out for you, but like I just feel like the tennis players and the cheerleaders were the tiniest outfits mm-hmm. in the name of athletics. Athletics. Yeah. And meanwhile, the rest of us were suffering and i i was like wearing half inch inseam
1: biker shorts around town <laughs> volley like volleyball is the anti-dress code yeah, it really is no wait did you wear you didn't wear the biker shorts to school though on game days did you no but like we had to like leave school early for certain
0: like matches and stuff and like walking around after school like where every sport was practicing ever like we were yeah it's kind true. of not that I different i know
1: it's just, it was the time of day.
0: But I think that this is a funny thing that I maybe didn't even realize what a thing it was. And then last night on the, pay, uh, the PowerPoint party, um, a wonderful listener named Nikki, whose parents pool I might be swimming in soon, <laughs> um, talked about the history of women's vanity sizing and how arbitrary it is. And it's it, every store has a custom fit model. That is a different baseline for what like a zero is and goes up from there and how we're basically doomed from the start to adequately gauge our size. And therefore, our confidence is tested with every dressing room you enter, because when you have jeans and you're like, oh, yeah, a 28 is 28 inches around my waist and they don't fit. You assume you've gained all this weight when really all 28s aren't created equal. And that like blew my mind. I know
1: I'm fa- I'm still so fascinated by that because to me, it's it's a measurement. Right. And men's stuff is very much to the measure. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear some of these stories and a little afraid because I feel like there are probably going to be some that are a bit scarring. Right.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's why I like the crowdsourcing element, because I think through writing it down, people like process revisit and also they wouldn't submit it mm-hmm. if they weren't cool with it being read. Um, so this one said. This is actually a popular theme of a story, and I'll read an example because several people said this. I went to a very strict Christian school. We had a dress code, and of, of course, like most schools, that's not the problem, really. We agreed to it when we applied. And then, to be accurate, she said, however, <laughs> with emojis. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that our skirts were long enough, our male principal would come into classrooms for random checks.
1: Mm-mm. The
0: girls would be, dis- would be required to get up from our desks and get on our knees to make sure the skirt touches the floor. So here we have a bunch of girls on their knees while the boys sat in their desks and the principal would look through each row at the skirts. No. Parents were also asked to abide by this dress code. Yes, that meant the mothers had to wear (gasps) knee length or longer dresses to attend school functions. So I've heard of people having to have their skirt touch the ground, but I think the addition of knowing your school was co-ed adds a level of creepy and demeaning for me.
1: And the fact that they were asking the girls to get on their knees to make sure it hit the floor. It's not normal no. because like you can see your patellas <laughs> from standing position. Right.
0: Right. And like, oh, as I've s- I said it once, I'll say it again. Not all femurs are created equal. <laughs> it, you, you, it's like, is it is a skirt that grazes the floor or is like a half inch above really making our Christian brothers stumble? It's insanity. That's crazy. It's the, it's also, if, can you imagine if I was one of the moms, I, I don't even, what would I wear? Cause oh. if women can't wear, the whole point is you can't wear pants. So I'd have to wear a maxi dress that probably with a sweater is cleavage. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. Or oh a gosh. painter's suit.
1: You could wear, oh, you can't wear the, the carpenter jeans because you can't wear pants.
0: No. Hmm.
1: Yeah, no, that would not. Outside of menswear. That, that would not be great. Did you say that there were like multiple stories in that genre?
0: Of having to get on your knees and touch the skirt <gasps> to the ground, which is shocking to me.
1: That is very
0: shocking. It seems like Matilda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like trench oh, bowl. Yeah. let's type shit that I just can't even imagine doing these Gross. days. God bless you. Um, my grade is eight to nine science teacher was pretty much the only teacher in the school who actually endorsed the dress code. He was a creepy middle-aged man with a mustache and his son actually went to our school but was the grade below me. His two favorite dress code enforcements were, one, making girls wear their stinky gym shirt if they wore a tank top and their bra strap showed. Relate. Two, making girls tape their shirt and pants together if their underwear showed when they sat or bent over. He would call the girls up to the front of the room and make them tape themselves in front of the entire class. To make things, things even more awkward, he was the next door neighbor of a longtime family friend whose daughter's in the same, who's the same age as me. She always had a big end of school year party and he would sit in his yard and watch us over the fence. She had a hot tub and we'd put the sprinkler under her trampoline. So we were out there in her bathing suits. Okay, I'm not <laughs> laughing at that. I'm laughing at the sprinkler under her trampoline because it sounds really fun. And I never thought to do that. But also that, okay, It's so creepy. And I feel like when we were young, I was not on high alert for older dudes. Never. Because adults were authority figures, not threats. I agree. This one says, when I was a freshman in high school, my English teacher was offering extra credit if we contacted the city newspaper to run our letter to the editor which we had written already for an assignment. In my infinite wisdom, I believe that no harm could come from such an effort since A, no one even reads the newspaper, and B, they probably wouldn't run it anyway. The subject of my letter <clears throat> was the vast array of disregard of the school's dress code. To the best of my knowledge, I believe I wrote the letter with this specific argument, guidelines as you do in freshman English class, not specifically because I was campaigning for change. I outlined the various problems with people wearing things that were school issued the cheer outfits for one, the volleyball player shorts for another. Hey, that's me. Um, that the girls wore to school on game days, which did not meet the standards of the dress code. I also outlined other sports, boys, basketball, wrestling, where the uniforms also didn't meet the dress code. I've seen one too many nipples in a wrestling singlet. Mm-hmm. Haven't we mm-hmm. all? Um, uh, and that the boys came to school in a oh in button-down shirts and ties on games game days. Yes. That's so
1: true. Yeah, I remember that.
0: Oh, I also wisely pointed out that as a member of swim team myself, I would appropriately wear a swimsuit to a swim meet, but not to math class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a twist of fate that literally everybody but me could see coming, <laughs> my letter was indeed run in the paper, much to the surprise of my parents, who had absolutely no idea that any of this was happening. The day after the article ran, I had a substitute teacher who read my name on the roll, recognized my name, asked me to stand, and inspected my outfit for dress code adherence. Upon passing, he told me that it was nice to see that I practiced what I preached. (laughs) Whoa. Also, who reads a paper that closely and remembers the name of a letter to the editor? Um, The problematic nature of this entire encounter is not lost on me, but it does go to show how far my notoriety had been spreading. Obviously, this put me on the fast track to popularity. And for the remainder of the year, I could hear people talking about how much I sucked in the halls as I passed for quite a while. <gasps> there was also a number of rebuttals to the letter. So that was fun. Like published.
1: Ooh, Oh, that's got to be brutal in high like, school.
0: On, so you're writing this sarcastically, sarcastically, like, yeah, I know. So cool of me. But honestly, it was pretty like woke of you. Yeah. Because like I didn't have that thought really. Like maybe, but I didn't put much stock in it. But you're right. It, the ties thing is especially astute mm-hmm. to me. The next year we got a new assistant principal and the dress code started getting enforced with a vengeance. My point was not so much about being, being the dress and grooming police, just a general let's all follow the rules. If there is one again, very cool of me. Uh, all in all, at least I learned a few things. People do indeed read the newspaper. You should really loop your parents into these momentous decisions and bless the good heavens above. There wasn't social media back in my day. You're, oh. s- I mean, people, So like, yeah, some clown would have gotten on TikTok, put his string headphones, this little mic in front of his face and been like (laughs) reporting live from the uh, dress code police at your school, just talking about how you're allergic to fun. That's really funny. I appreciate a uh, young woman who understands the power of the press. Oh, for sure. And I love how literally you took the assignment. I probably would have too. You would have, yeah. Because it's not about how it'll affect you. It's about doing a good job right, at it. Right. And you did a good job. Oh, this is kind of a short one. I worked at a conservative Christian camp one summer and they instructed the female staff members that crossbody purses and bags are inappropriate because they highlight women's breasts. <laughs> they definitely lectured us that women had the responsibility to dress in a way that wouldn't tempt men. A lecture given with an eye roll shrug, like men, they can't help themselves. <laughs> the camp didn't allow bikinis or spaghetti straps or the other usual suspects, uh, other suspects, for campers or staff but the boys were allowed to be shirtless um yeah that sounds exactly like the summer camp mm-hmm. i went to yeah. and the worst part is there was this one girl i think her name was like veronica uh which is funny because it's kind of a mature name for like a young kid but she wore a we all wore like swim team speedos mm-hmm. to my christian camp yep she wore this bathing suit that had like a zipper down to her belly button and she maybe had it like slightly unzipped <sighs> We talked about it for years.
1: We like could not believe she like right that you showed up to camp like that, like yeah, Christian
0: camp because like we that. didn't have the ability to like. It's kind of like the girl who wrote the paper. It's like just the, it's about the rules, not what they mean. Um. What's this? I've always ha- oh god. Okay, guys, buckle up. Oh no. I've always had a larger chest and, of course, was insecure about it growing up. And when I was in high school, the principal asked my predominantly male teachers to check every day to make sure that my cleavage was covered enough and appropriate for school. I was constantly being sent down to the office in the middle of class to have a conversation with this woman about what was appropriate and what was not. This was 2007 to 2009, and I was wearing the same, if not more, modest buckle and American Eagle tops (laughs) as everyone else. Her solutions included the idea that I should wear more hooded sweatshirts and to keep one in my locker in case I was wearing, in case what I was wearing was, would make a male faculty member uncomfortable. Also, she offered to reach out to the home ec department to see if they would make me lace inserts to pin into my top. Whoa. One day when I had shown up to class late because I had to go home and change, My male teacher told me that showing my cleavage inappropriately at school was equivalent to him showing up to teach in a Speedo. What? That that is horrifying. And it's interesting. I want to know what kind of school you went to, because some people are like, I went to a really conservative Christian school. You didn't clarify. Not that it would be justified anywhere, but that seems like, like illegal for a public school to single somebody out like that.
1: Agree. And then to offer the home ec department to make you something that is, that, that is so extreme.
0: And I, it's so insensitive to young women whose bodies develop before people. Right. Because you're not even like a sexualized human yet, but everyone's looking at you that way and projecting it onto you. Exactly.
1: And then there starts the guilt that you'll have the rest of your life.
0: Right. Because it's, from there on out, it's not about your intentions. It's not about how you wanna look. It's about preventing the temptation of others around you. And I think that's such an interesting thing because like, I just, the the singling you out every day for the, was it the principal that came to check on her? Yeah. That is so extreme. I'm like, sh- I'm, I'm shook. I'm like, that's awful. No,
1: that's awful.
0: That is. I just, well, it's also kind of a, are you hearing talk about breathe? This is just, <laughs> this is a funny, like classic. You remember, um, trauma Rama from 17 oh, magazine. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, The YM version is like, say anything. Um, oh, he to be obsessed. In sixth grade, I was attending my first youth group event. It was back it was a back to school party. The theme was jungle and the invite said, come dressed for the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Being an over e- eager sixth grader. I was ready to mingle and impress. I rented a rented a full body banana suit. No. I painted my face yellow. I pinned monkeys to me. I was so proud to walk into that room until I walked in and had a single other person was in a costume. 20 years later, I'm still mortified when I think about it. Um, that's like a, that is like the most classic almost like sitcom, rom-com, oh. like trick somebody into a oh. car. But it wasn't a trick. I
1: guess everybody was too cool and you like really like, went on. You really all out. got excited to do it. Did that that happened to, happen to me to a couple you? years ago. Oh my god. You're here in Chicago. That's right. What that? happened? So I was still fairly new to Chicago. So still like in the process of trying to make friends. I got invited to a friend of a friend's birthday party. It was a 90s theme. I was like, is everybody dressing up? The answer was yes. So what do I do? I say, Kate, I need to borrow your Lisa Frank like yeah. tank top and leggings, and then I need to put my hair in a side pony. I need to have lots of different braids that I can take out to make. Um, I think I did some crimp, some braid. I had on horrific makeup. I show up to this party, <laughs> and I'm in Lisa Frank Pink Leopard, where, and it says Lisa You guys Frank- know that's Lisa Frank Snow Leopard. It's so yeah. and it's split by the legs, one eye on each side. It's a full. Oh, it's a full. <laughs> it's not leopard print. It's an leopard. actual leopard. So I'm in full Lisa Frank leopard. I show up to this party, and at most people are wearing a jean jacket, like that was their version of '90s. So or I like know no a flannel
0: around their waist, like a grunge band. Maybe,
1: Like yeah. I mean, it was like I was so Kelly, far, and
0: I I like almost need to. Maybe I'll put on Patreon the photo for it was. I know I have a photo. It,
1: she looked in. I mean. <laughs> I mean, oh, all the guys were in like uh, Michael Jordan jerseys, right? Because that was so 90s Chicago. Like, right. that, like that was the extent of it. Because an adult I'm in theme full party Lisa is, Frank, you, you can go
0: outside and debatably just be wearing your clothes. Yes. But with a hint of like
1: yes. the theme. But Kelly doesn't. I, don't, it's go big or go home. Yes, exactly. I you love a theme. I don't put up one pumpkin and call it fall. Like I, oh God, like no. come September 1st, that place is decked out mm-hmm. from head to toe. So whether it's decorating the places I live or uh, myself, right? I love a theme and I go with it. And I blame mom. mom my, our, our mom is so great at
0: holidays and themes and everything. And Kelly and I above the normal five love languages. I feel like ours is effort (laughs) because like, Uh if you grow up with somebody that puts effort into stuff that becomes your normal. Yeah, And then I look around me when people like, I'm not a big costumer, but like, I mean, my Taylor Swift, like lyrics, listening parties, we're just supposed to come prepared with like, what's your favorite song? But I made, like yeah, I made a like full PowerPoint with transitions. I embedded like Of course. I, I just don't know how I, I yeah, I, I don't know how to do something casually. Yeah. Um and I but I it's like it's not the thing I hate the most about myself. I feel like it 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 benefits us more than it hurts us.
1: Oh, I would agree. But that was All, really like 90% of for even
0: mom. No. Even mom was like, "Did you see that picture of Kelly?" So when my mom, when my the way she insults something. Cause she won't, she'll say that was something. <laughs> <laughs> and she told me your nineties. was. Oh. It was honestly the crimping. Cause you have pretty thick hair.
1: Yeah. I have a lot. I think I had a lot of little mini scrunchies into, I forget. It was just a lot. I, you could have just like, it's like look in the mirror, take off one accessory is kind of the rule. Like I think I probably should have run it by you first. I was just so excited. I'm new to a big city. I get invited to a party. People like complimentary. No, everybody was so nice. No. So let let me be clear on that, too. No one made me feel awkward. I made myself feel awkward, especially after the group photo. (laughs) Well, and also, yeah, it's like the banana suit. I'm sure everybody was like, oh, fun, Nobody really cares. But in your head, but it's the worst mo- in that moment. You're like, OK, I have two choices. I can run like hell, like, right, get out of here as fast as I can or just embrace it. And so it sounds like the girl with the banana suit chose to embrace. Yes, As did I. So we're two peas in a pod. It was my freshman year of high school and I was wearing a gray
0: sweater dress and an exposed zipper up the entire back in a moto boot. Cute. I was serv- sitting in my math class, the freshman in it, uh, the only freshman in it, and the boy behind me thought it was a brilliant idea to unzip my dress. <gasps> what a jerk. What? I didn't notice because I'm a good student. wasn't engaged with my learning. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward 20 minutes. I stand up and the dress falls off me. I'm mortified. I'm literally 14 years old.
1: The teacher no. sends me to the office and
0: says, don't wear dresses with zippers ever again.
1: What? Did the boy not get in trouble? The principal agreed. The
0: zipper was a distraction and I should not wear them anymore to avoid distractions. I would also like to add, Oh God, that's dark. I'd also like to add that this math teacher was later fired and arrested for possession of um, (gasps) child pornography on school grounds. Mm. Yikes. Mm -mm. I think every school has an example of a teacher that was like later fired. And you're like, that tracks. Yeah. Like it's so, it's so gross. Yeah. but, But it's like, I mean, at least they get caught. My God. Um, for what it's worth, uh, even though I did tell a uh, zipper shaming story earlier about my camp. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true.
1: <laughs> there is such a well, distraction. <laughs> it's different when it's on the front of a bathing suit versus the back of a dress. So
0: how'd the guy not get in
1: trouble? How did the... That's right. How did... It's how, so bad.
0: Uh, one time a teacher... One time in elementary school, a teacher drew smiley faces on my knees so that my mom would remember not to send me to school in shorts that showed
1: my knees. You can't what? draw on a kid. That's horrible. That's wild. It, it's so interesting to think back to stuff that you could get away with like 20 years ago versus now. Right. And my private high school. In the suburbs of Chicago.
0: We had a uniform of khakis in a polo. Not like cute khakis in a polo, but uh, special polos that only came in four colors. Here's some of the bizarre rules. No sewn-on pockets. Khakis had to have particular pockets. I assume like slit pockets. Uh, no tattoos, piercings, on natural hair collars, etc. Standard for private schools. Boys could not have hair past their collar. One dean, one time a dean went up behind a kid and cut his ponytail off. She then pinned his ponytail to the bulletin board in her office. <gasps> Well, that's so mean. Uh, no corduroys because the lines were distracting. Cord- the, uh, if there were ever an unsexy fabric, it would be corduroy. It would be corduroy. What? But- right. Oh, she said, and many of these rules were broken. You got a jug, which is a detention, but it stands for justice under God. <gasps> God does hate corduroys. That's what I heard. This was to be served during your lunch period in the cafeteria. You had to wear a bright orange construction vest. <laughs> And walk around with a lunch tray to pick up people's trash. What for dress code violation? That's yeah, that's that's so extreme. Oh my god! Where I lived, junior high was seventh and eighth grade. So I was in seventh grade, attending the first day of conditioning, basically advanced PE. And it was combined seventh and eighth grade, seventh and eighth graders. I was wearing my new clothes for the year that included stretchy gaucho-style pants and an Aero Pastel polo shirt. Uh, I thought nothing of the outfit until the day I was called up to the front of conditioning class along with another classmate who happened to be wearing the exact same polo. However, she was much more blessed in the chest than I was. The teacher decided to take this as a dress code teaching moment <gasps> no. and proceeded to announce to the class that while we were wearing the same shirt, one of, us in the, one of us was in the dress code and the other was not due to our different shaped bodies. No, no, uh-uh. She proclaimed that I was part of the itty-bitty titty committee and therefore allowed to wear the shirt I was wearing, whereas my larger tested classmate would be sent to change. That is so bad. I, I'm literally speechless. As, yeah, and as two busty people, and like especially you, like you would have never... Worn a non turtleneck again. Like, Uh, that would have
1: ruined me. That would have ruined you. I wouldn't, I don't know how I would have gone back to school. Like, that is bullying. No, that is, that is. So, who was it that said, like, it was a teacher or who? It was the PE teacher. That's so
0: bad. That's so bad. Well, this person, the lunch monitor, there was a, had to have a minimum four inch inseam on shorts in middle school. So, ages 11 to 13. The lunch monitor was responsible for checking any suspect inseams. She put a ruler between your legs <laughs> to measure the inseam. What? That's insane. Oh She's, my she said, looking back, I'm truly horrified. What were they thinking? Why did no one call them out? Um, is ma- What's a magnet school?
1: Oh, it's a, uh,
0: like a specialty, almost like a charter school. Like talented and gifted or specially funded?
1: Um. It varies depending on like the area that they're focused in. If that makes sense. Like, like you can have a magnet school for leadership or a magnet school for.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not a school that where that would make sense.
1: In no school. Does <laughs> that make sense? That's insane. No, that's <laughs> crazy. It's like on friends when Joey sends Chandler to the tailor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. It's invasive. It's so invasive. And in my high school, if
0: your skirt was too short, the dean of students, a male administrator, would make girls wear a pair of sweatpants that read property of the dean no. down the side under your too short skirt. However, the girls cheerleading and field hockey shirt, skirts were the shortest things ever. I, I'm glad we're all mad about this. <laughs> I mean, truly. Property?
1: Property of, no. That's so It's control. Like, like, it's like. <sighs> One, he had them made right (laughs) so like there was thought put into what was going to go on and i can get they
0: can be like well these are specifically that like it was against the dress code and these are like the dean's sweatpants but it's like he didn't have to say property of it could have just said the school right that's so weird no that's weird it said i went to a catholic school in iowa it says the school that yes Comma, God, oh, yes, God, yes, is based on. Is that a Christian documentary? Ooh, we need to watch.
1: Yes, yeah. God, yes.
0: Um, I realize the dress code is expected, but we made our local news for the disproportionately long women's section in our academic achievement assembly. Here's a highlight. Think modesty. Your outfit should attract attention to your achievements, not your body. I, I mean... My killer heart of darkness essay can't be highlighted in my midsection. (laughs) Choose an outfit that is pretty enough to show you are a woman and covered enough to show you are a lady. Oh, my gosh. Um, That is so fascinating. My cousin's Midwestern Catholic school made national news because their PowerPoint was 21 slides for acceptable prom dresses. What oh, I wouldn't give. I mean. Oh, that was a whole other thing. It was dress dances. Oh, I wonder if anyone wrote in about, yeah. Hey, guys. Me again. So at this point in the night, Kelly goes off and takes a call. Um, I'm going to read you some more of the stories, and then we'll shift to weddings for a bit. And, uh. I don't know. I know I like went a little heavy tugboat. Can you settle? I went a little heavy on the first hour. So I figured I'd lighten it up this hour. But I also wanted to shout out our second sponsor, second and final, one of my favorites, one of the only sponsors that's ever made me cool among my friends and relatives because they all use this product and therefore use my code. It is Liquid IV. It's is a very popular hydration drink mix you may have heard of. And they just launched their new line that I have tried called energy multiplier with roughly a hundred milligrams of clean caffeine. It's the perfect coffee replacement and an all natural alternative to processed energy drinks for a sustained energy boost throughout the day. You guys might be familiar with like what I've eaten from my previous ads, or maybe you're a fan It's so cool because it is a hydration multiplier that turns one 16-ounce bottle of water basically into the equivalent of the hydration of three bottles. And as a person that doesn't drink enough water, I don't particularly love drinking water. I'm lucky to have access to it, but it's just not a habit I ever really formed. The multiplier, I I legitimately uh, drink this every single day, and it's the only way I feel like I'm actually getting not only adequate hydration, well, with the... Uh, regular product, but also with this new product, the equivalent of one to two cups of coffee in one packet, it gives you the energy boost you need that is kind of helping me get less dependent on coffee because... i I could never tell if i had an addiction if it was a habit or whatever but this has been a really interesting experience in that it's i don't know helped me adopt a healthier alternative to traditional uh coffee or you may be into energy drinks and it has no artificial flavors or preservatives and it kind of just i don't know powers your mornings and fuels your day at work and it's clean ingredients non-gmo vegan free of gluten dairy soy packaging is convenient i just i can't say enough good things this is the matcha green energy blend specifically that i'm talking about that i've been drinking so yeah i just wanted to tell you about a different product since i typically talk about the regular multipliers and uh, i don't know This you know the time in the afternoon when you kind of crash you're less focused decreased motivation sometimes i'm just like in a bad mood this is kind of the perfect boost so Please try it. Let me know what you think. I can't say enough good things about this company. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BETHEREIN5 at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code BETHEREIN5 at liquidiv.com and start fueling your adventures today indoor or outdoor i'm I'm indoorsy but that's that adventures are not limited to the great outdoors let me tell you that much and i'm sorry if you can hear my dog i wish i could give him the opposite of an energy boost but you know such is life hey tugboat i think that's dad's shoe hey tug (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) okay so kelly is busy she's not at my beck and call for recording it would seem Uh, Let me read you a few more stories, then we'll switch to weddings for a bit. And if I may, of my um, moment of desperation, uh, if you like this episode, if you think it's worth sharing or something, it resonated with you, my gosh, please share it in your story. Tell a friend. If you're private, message me. Actually, stories sharing are the really only notifications I get that separate out DMs, um, which I love. So yeah, if you would consider i would love it so much or a five-star review these i read these things i see these things they keep me going and i i I so appreciate you for it as i mentioned at the top of the episode but anyway uh let's get to some more stories i love a utah story um yeah she's also talking about how you could wear very short skirts as part of the uniform but other girls would get dress code violations for the same length she said, "I grew up in Utah, so you would think being surrounded by LDS mod- modesty culture would make it so our skirts fell on the longer side. But nope, many of us just had an inch or two of fabric from the bottom of our bum, which was definitely not fingertip length. This is a public high school. I do remember two separate uniform fittings where the woman measuring us." Made me feel bad about my extra junk in my trunk because it made the skirt shorter. One time she said, well, we'll certainly have to add three or four inches for you to make sure that's covered, referring to my butt. Anyway, I just thought this double standard with cheerleaders versus everyone else would be interesting to share. Yes, I agree. But I was more interested in that because um, I think, like, even the term, like, junk in the trunk, I feel like these sort of colloquialisms surrounding people's bodies make other people think it's okay to, like, talk in slang or like say something to you about your size and like like no we just no <laughs> don't ever do that um because you remember it. like that was probably a long time ago it's just it's rude but i watched kelly mcgonagall Finn glass say that to girls on dallas cowboys cheerleaders making the team and i find it upsetting once in high school i wore a dress i had gotten from target target in 2009 this was not sexy times was it like Massimo probably Oh, oh God. How will he survive just downgraded from a $25 million home to like a $12 million. Like, Are you kidding me? These criminals like, ugh. Anyway, um, it was a pink buffalo check high neck. Went to my knees and definitely not inappropriate at all. Well, apparently I walked by a window and the light showed through the dress outlining my underwear. Ugh, I hate when I, that happens because you, you don't. You, it's so hard to know and slips seem old timey. A teacher overheard two boys talking about it and she called the principal on me. My mom had to bring me a new outfit to wear, even though the vice principal, female, said she found nothing wrong with the dress, but better to go ahead and make you change so we don't cause any more issues. So all she did was walk past a window. This is what I mean. You're, you're being pulled away from class because two, they overheard two boys talking about you. I went to Catholic school in junior high. We had to stand in a line to be inspected for any makeup. They literally took the time. For any makeup, they literally took the time to inspect eyelashes for mascara, which is super stressful because I have blonde eyelashes. I hear that. And I really needed a little extra, especially in junior high when relationships were beginning. Or was this co-ed? They also checked skirt length had to be no more than two fingertips above the knee. They were super serious about it. If you had any suspected makeup on, the teacher would watch watch you wash your face in the bathroom. And you could be sent home from school for illegal skirt length. They reminded me of the movies when they show people in the army lined up for inspection. Um, yeah That so at a co-ed school like isn't that do they line up the boys and inspect them like in the no makeup thing's interesting too because like I was trying to look at different dress codes to get a good representation and I was like okay I was born in San Diego so I looked at the high school I like would have gone to if my family had never moved to Virginia and I thought this was going to be like super progressive it's Southern California but it's like I don't know I was thinking it was Solana Beach school district one of the rules is no makeup I was like in Southern like what? uh that was not the case a little guna be chai which in my head is why i always lamented my parents leaving san diego because i thought that like would have been my high school experience but i don't know i do feel like my confidence soared when i started wearing eyeliner because we wear makeup for ourselves um but i get it blonde eyelashes like i don't know you just it gives you a little pep in yourself i i, I hear you this person went to high school in georgia sorry i'm like skimming while i talk to you from atlanta Went to a catholic high school at the beginning of my sophomore year all the girls were called into a gymnasium to have a discussion about skirt length among the usual diatribes against skirt length all subtly or not subtly shaming girls for their sexualities and bodies our principal said y'all are no longer allowed to look like hookers walking down peach tree street oh my god he called you hookers this is a catholic high school for your uniform oh my god also what's peach tree street it sounds fun We also weren't allowed to wear white pants because boys could see our underwear. Literally so stupid. Leggings and pants were also not allowed. My God. Hookers on Peachtree Street. Like, did you tell your parents? Like, I feel like my parents would not be happy about my principal calling us hookers. But then you also, at the time, if that was kind of like normalized, would you go home and say anything to your parents? Like, no, because you probably didn't want to get in trouble or make it seem like your skirt was too short or something uh these things were just like oh haha yeah we make jokes about women looking like sluts you know those are the times i hope those were the times and not are the times oh gosh another knees uh i'm telling you there's a lot of these in junior higher teachers made the girls come to the front of the class in front of everyone, get on our knees, and measure the length of our skirts from the ground up with a yardstick. Another year at church camp, my mother bought me all brand-new summer dresses that were spaghetti-strap dresses, but I wore a, sh- a short sleeve shirt underneath them. And when I got there, my counselor told me I couldn't wear them, and I had to wear another girl's clothes all week. I never went to camp again. Are you kidding me? You had a shirt on under... Oh, my God. church growing up was a wild experience when we had mixed bathing which meant boys and girls no one could wear swimsuits we had to wear t-shirts and gym shorts but the girls had to wear shorts to the knee oh my god unbelievable i think this is a true love wait story um i went to a private non-denominational in name but evangelical and practice christian school in atlanta from 94 to 2001 when my parents decided i needed to go to public school so i wouldn't go out in the world without having learned about dinosaurs or evolution (laughs) We did the True Love weights rings, the demonstrations of passing around a cup, everyone spit in, meaning to signify premarital sex, signed purity contracts and gave them to our dads, the whole nine. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, if you haven't listened to truly, truly, True Love weights, we talk about this, but there's like a very common thing in that movement that was done where everybody gets in a circle and spits into a cup and then you're asked to drink it. And then when you're grossed out by it, you're told that's how your future husband, husband will feel if you have partners before him, because that's healthy. Uh, I'm, my blood is boiling um, we wore uniforms so obviously I could write a thesis on the intersection of purity culture and dress codes but I'll keep this brief one highly anticipated milestone was the 8th grade trip to Washington D.C. where we'd be allowed to wear street clothes for 4 whole days obviously this was a source of much thrill and anxiety on our part since we usually only had to put together a couple fashionable Abercrombie AE outfits in rotation for the odd birthday party here and there uh, since their day to day were uniforms before the trip, teachers separated our grade of 40 students into boys and girls and gave us a dress code talk. We were told the standard finger to length, no spaghetti straps, but also no open toed shoes and no peep toes or toe cleavage. All of this was presented in the guise of please dress in such a way that as to not tempt your brothers in Christ. And I remember all the girls who were many of us genuine persons of faith, but at the same time, all sort of in an arms race to be the most Christ like at water skiing, if you will. <laughs> Speaking of my language. Um, uh, sort of just erupting in laughter organically. This teacher continued to trying to be earnest in making us believe this stuff about foot modesty had any merit whatsoever. They probably had a foot fetish, but the whole room just got church giggles about toe cleav- cleavage and the moment was ruined. It just stands out of my memory because without social media or even the most basic knowledge of feminism, all these girls who grew up breathing the e- evangelical modesty stuff like fish and water out of water all sort of organically revolted against gender-specific messaging about modesty in real time. Lots of these girls went on to grow up to be fairly conservative, but still it's just funny to remember that we had our first multi-day trip with home away from boys' hotel rooms, long charter bus rides at night, and other a- aspects so thrillingly exotic to southern young Christian 13-year-olds, but these folks were worried about toe cleavage. That's so random. Um, there was somebody who wrote in that said, like, uh, they, they're, the Policy for their open-toed shoes was that toes could um, peak but not show. Like they had, they, there was no more than two toes were allowed. I was like, I don't even know what pair of shoes that that is referring to. Anyway, uh, I went to a high school where the dress code required girls to wear skirts that were no shorter than the middle of the knee. That could honestly be my whole story, but it's not. I got a dress code one day because my, while my skirt hit the middle of the knee in the front, it was right above my knees in the back because. Hashtag blessed peach emoji. <laughs> I tried to argue my case, but my principal still wrote me up and recommended I start doing squats. Oh my god! Um, other dress code requirements included formal dresses at events must have straps at least two inches wide. Tops couldn't be lower than four fingers from your collarbone. Oh, that's interesting. And frequent reminders to keep our legs crossed in class to protect male teachers. Ew. Also, I went. I graduated in 2011, not 1970, and the dress code is still the same today does it really say protect me all teachers that's like creepy for them i'd be like before working there I'd be like, could you remove that like i'm good it's not up to the pupils to prevent me from being a pedophile like what do they that, that's what i don't get do they get what that's saying okay here's kind of an in-between one and then we'll transition to weddings this is just a general dress code story like a third-party vendor bar uh non-breezy discriminatory dress code story my husband played pro baseball and this is really more his story than mine but it's an important one My husband's white. After a game one night, a few of his teammates were going to meet up at a bar in Dallas. My husband arrived at the bar with one of his black teammates who wasn't allowed in because he was wearing Jordans and it was against dress code. They left and walked around the corner of the bar and switched shoes and went back to the same bar where my husband and his teammate were allowed in this time, even though my husband was wearing the Jordans that were allegedly against dress code. Insane. I mean, yeah, like it's unconscionable. That is the sort of thing like people, if you just, if you don't expect, just because, like, you're not a hateful person, it doesn't mean that there is isn't rampant racism around you. And if you don't think there is, it's because you're not experience Like, that's not your firsthand experience. You're not seeing this in the same way that other people are who are consistently discriminated against for BS like that. It's so troubling and, like, I don't know. Thank you for writing that in. I'm glad you said that because... I think that it's important to be mindful of this, too, when you, like, look at um, dress code requirements for bars and restaurants and clubs and, like, the language they're using and the selective enforcement of it. Like, it's wrong, and it needs to be called out, and these businesses need to be held accountable for the fair treatment of all of their patrons. Because if they're treating their customers that way, who knows what's even going on inside with their employees and their wait staff And, you know, like, it's just th- these things are... Um, if, if you're not affected by them, they can be hard to spot. But thank you, everybody who wrote in a school story, dress code story. Um, I just thought this was an interesting topic. And a lot of, I think, the things we remember from 15, 20 years ago, a lot of those rules are still in place. And I hope the ways they're enforced has improved. But I think it really does vary place by place. And I just hope people think about, um, you know, what that looks like for the people they work with, their kids, uh, and any uh, young people you are surrounded by, these are formative years. These are very highly impressionable moments. And I don't know, just because the way we've always done something doesn't mean it's the right way. And it's important to always uh, be revisiting and improving, even if it requires a little bit of change and discomfort among people that are used to doing things a certain way. And now we will hop back on over to Kelly, who can join me once again to go over some wedding stories. And I'll try not to keep you here too much longer. (laughs) We had way more school stories than wedding stories. But I'm going to go through some. The wedding stuff was more so like people just sending me bizarre themes. They weren't like stories. So I'll go through those on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Be There in Five. That's where all my bonus content is. That's how you can get to to go to the PowerPoint parties. Um, That's where Hamilton deep dive, Gilmore Girls deep dive. I read a YM magazine from 2001 last week. You know, all the good stuff is on Patreon, like 100 bonus episodes. If for some reason you need to hear more from me. And I think all of those of you who are uh, monetarily supporting my career that those around me think is just a podcast where I talk about dipping sauces for fun that no one listens to and they feel a little bit bad for me. <laughs> but I'm not going to correct them. This is where I struggle. I need to be a little bit more like you know, defensive of myself. But I don't know. I just feel like people who say they work hard don't work. And people who say they're successful aren't. And you know what I mean? I think the more you have to say it, the less is probably true. And maybe that's like an old school wealth, like money talks, wealth whispers mentality. It's not like I think women have to be demure. It's just that I think a lot of people who talk the biggest game are are lying. <laughs> and it has something to do with being like a woman who wants to be meek. I just... I don't know. I'm trying to get better about like I'm comfortable with where I am. Like I'm proud of it. And it's just I'm trying to be better about reminding myself it's not my job to make other people around me comfortable with my own decisions. You know. Okay, moving on to Kelly. This person said. So this is weddings now. Yeah, her cousin's wedding said attire mountain casual. (laughs) It was like there was like it was like in a beautiful mountain district. And she said. Nobody knew. Uh, what to wear and everyone was confused. People didn't know if it was like jeans or like a Patagonia North Face hats, whatever. The reception was in a barn. Um, so finally, someone bit the bullet and asked the bride for clarification. Relief swept through the family because we were told the bride and groom had been hearing that people didn't understand. Um, and attached is the clarification. Attire. Mountain casual. So, black tie optional. <laughs> <laughs> optional for mountain casual so if you want to wear a tuck slash gown please do so otherwise dress in a way that you feel comfortable well the two opposing thoughts well like yeah the word mountain itself
1: uh, no it's casual yeah. the word casual casual is casual is casual and in no universe does casual mean black tie optional <laughs> what what if nobody had ever said anything I feel like I want to see pictures from this wedding.
0: I feel like I I, honestly, when I see people in jeans
1: at weddings, I'm shocked. Cause I just feel like that goes without saying. I do. I've been to some weddings where people wear jeans and that's totally fine with the bride. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah. And and I think that's totally fair. If that's okay with the bride and groom.
0: Like Um, I don't, I don't think anyone's
1: default would be to wear jeans, but if it,
0: right. I guess that's, well, that's, what's tricky too is like, I, You're almost more thrown off by casual directives, yeah. Because you assume it's supposed to be dressier, yeah. But but black tie (laughs) (laughs) option is just, (laughs) and I'm
1: confused. Black tie optional is weird to me in general because I'm just like, do I wear a ball gown, right, or a cocktail dress? Like, yeah. Does it need to be floor length? Like, what's the yeah? What's the vibe here? Um, that's funny.
0: This person's boyfriend's childhood best friend was getting married in Northern California and they were excited to make the trip. Her boyfriend was in the wedding, but she hadn't gotten many details out of him. This has happened to me a lot. (laughs) My husband's older than me. I've been to a lot of weddings of his friends. He'll like lose the invitation. I'll like ask for the website. He like doesn't know the bride's last name. I'm just like, so it it's especially uncomfortable almost when you're like, the girlfriend of somebody whose friends you want to impress. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Oh yeah. I used to like really put a lot of thought into this. Um I was working part-time at anthropology, so I thought it was going to be able to pull together a cute boho wedding guest look. Then the invitation arrived, and the dress code was Viking Fairy Tale Semi-Formal. <laughs> <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um there are three couples traveling. So me and the other two girls spent weeks sending each other ideas and inspo from Etsy and random online stores. Basically, we all just settled on including fur into our outfits. <laughs> uh, but what I love is we get to the wedding. and Honestly, they pulled out this theme very well. It was in this kind of hidden garden off the coast. It was heavily shaded, so the furs came in handy. I think lots of greenery, macrame candles, dark red roses, and animal skulls as decor. That's so fascinating. Oh, so it turns out that the bride had never been to a wedding before. Her wedding was the first she ever attended. She just did what she wanted. That's kind of <laughs> cute. That actually is kind of cute. That's sweet. Yeah. And she
1: said she pulled it off well. Viking. I just tried to look up Viking casual dress code and nothing's pulling. It's to me sounds very Renaissance fair. Well, I'm like, are you getting on? I, I'm picturing like you're, you're transported to the movie, movie frozen. Right. And you're like. <laughs> Arendelle chic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, that's what I'm thinking yeah.
0: of. No, you're so right. Oh, because, oh, they're Nordic. Yeah. Aren't, are, is Arendelle right? Nordic? Sure. Yeah, I would think so. I almost wish they'd put these in real places. I thought Genovia was real for a really long time. I understand I'm just, that. I'm like, so, so many people sent in Texas formal, and I'm very fascinated by this, um, because I so many people said it, and I just never heard of it. This person said she's seen different definitions of Texas formal. For women, it's standard cocktail attire. But for men, they should be wearing ideally starched black jeans, cowboy boots on the bottom and with a suit jacket. And in many cases, a tuxedo jacket and a shirt up top, black Stetson hats are encouraged, but not required for outdoor venues. Then other people that sent this in said like bolo ties, like Western shirts, all this stuff. And um, so like Texas, I mean, people joke that it's like its own country, right? Like it mm-hmm. has its own culture. I don't know like many people from Texas, but if we got that on an invitation, Greg would not wear Does black denim. Greg own some starch black <laughs> denim. A bolo tie. Like it's one of those things where it I, do, I guess maybe men in Texas just have this. I, it's not that it's not handsome. It's just that Texas formal to me would just be like, I don't even, I guess we would look it up. I, I get boots, but not the de- black denim.
1: Well, so I, couple of friends that I'm thinking of that live in Texas. Yes. Always, always wear like the guys wear denim to weddings and cowboy boots, oh. but, but that's also like their everyday attire, but you know, like it's mm-hmm. no different than every day. So I think if you, if maybe you live in certain areas and that's just part of your attire, right. then you just keep it going. But I would think if you're an out of town guest, you wouldn't be expected to go purchase cowboy boots and a bolo tie.
0: Right. Like what if I was like dressed like a Virginia peanut <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, I don't feel like a lot of places have location-based
1: no but but then again i mean think about some of like the crazy like bridal and wedding horror stories you've heard like that, that i could probably see someone like absolutely this is the, this is what you must wear that you know and right then, yeah i guess it's either you go buy it or rent it or you don't go
0: kelly can you um rent? where can you rent a black starched
1: <laughs> denim <laughs> David's bridal men's section.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, and one person's story about Texas formal said the br- the mother of the bride was going around groaning and saying like, it's not that hard. What for the men that weren't wearing like bolo ties or cowboy boots. But I'll, here's the other thing. Cowboy boots are r- real. Our, ones
1: are real ones are very expensive. expensive. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I only, I only pull mine out for special occasions. Can
0: one of you guys, if you're a Texas bride, invite me. I just want to see what the sitch is. I'm or so send pictures in my head. It's, Oh yeah. I guess you could send pictures, <laughs> you know, in the midst <laughs> of a, of a pandemic <laughs> not now, but I, cause in my head I'm picturing, um, you know, my favorite Hallmark movie, oh, one starry Christmas, one starry Christmas with yes. wild bill. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like a cartoon character, cowboy version of a man who like only speaks in fables.
1: And is like, always like chewing on metal Yeah. <laughs> has metal-toed boot I'm just like what the steel-toed boot Hey but honestly Kelly that might be your vibe it, uh, No it that's why I'm like not hating right now because it's totally my vibe right. I love guys in jeans and cowboy boots but I get that if you're attending and if you're an out of town guest attending a wedding and that's the attire it could pose a problem
0: The humor to me isn't isn't the attire so much as thinking of my husband <laughs> <laughs>
1: And starched back denim. Well, consider this my notice. I'm going to meet a nice, uh, Texan boy.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: And we, that is going to be the attire to our wedding. And Greg will be required to dress accordingly.
0: I mean, guys, like I said, in episode six or whatever, I'm here for a sleepless in Seattle. If anybody (laughs) thinks somebody would be good for my sister, call in, leave a voicemail. Let's talk. (laughs) So sad. She's beautiful. Moving on. She's perfect. Um, Okay, so this is an expert excerpt from a wedding weekend email that a friend shared with me. She was in another friend's wedding as an attendant. So she's not a bridesmaid, but they still have control over what you wear. So you guys remember doing the bridesmaids episode when I learned what the house? The house party. The house party was, aka the the B string, the, the bench warmers of friendship.
1: Yeah. It's honestly
0: no. I want to make varsity or I'm out. Um, so this is, this is copy and pasted from the email. Oh no. I, (laughs) I want to update you on the request of wedding attire. As I have probably mentioned, the wedding is formal and black tie. All women in the wedding party will be wearing long black dresses. I want each attendant to have as much flexibility and ease in choosing a dress. Here are some simple guidelines. One floor length dress. Please select one that covers your shoes. The dress can be any style colon straight or a line.
1: (laughs) So So not any style.
0: Yeah. So two styles. Then number two strapless or sleeveless. I would prefer no sleeves and no halter dresses to be fair. As a person who, who almost always has sleeves. Yeah. I I would have at least gone for a cap sleeve. (laughs) And honestly, to be fair, to be like a stickler about clothing and to request like tube dresses, I'm like that's more shocking to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Three, again, she said, um, just to remind you, I want you to tend to have as much flexibility and ease in choosing a dress. <laughs> so we have you have two styles of floor-length dress. You can pick strapless, sleeveless, no sleeves and no halters. Three, I prefer a simple black design, no sequins. No beading, no sparkles, no lace, no embroidery, no other embellishments. The dress should be all black, no additional color. Four, there is flexibility in choice of material, as long as it's a matte finish, not shiny. (laughs) I would love to join you when you go dress shopping.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's not real.
0: (gasps) However, in the event that scheduling doesn't work out, I would appreciate you sending me a photo before purchasing the dress and shoes. Let me know if you have any questions. I would
1: run so fast. She doesn't even like you enough to have you as a Dry. bridesmaid. And I would just tell me what, like, just tell me what dress. Right.
0: Here. So the, here's the thing is that brides think that they're breezy as hell by being like, we're just going to do a color palette. But then when you micromanage the color palette, yeah. A, you pick something that flatters you. But if another girl has the color, you can't wear it. If it's slightly, it's it's almost more stressful because- Shopping for a gown in a specific queue period is hard. Yeah. No.
1: And then if Because most gowns are
0: designed to stand out and bridesmaids dresses are supposed
1: to like. Right. Like, like kind of make you muted. Yeah, right. But then also like if someone like you is in a bridesmaid's dress and then another bridesmaid that is like five, two or five, three. Right. Is in the same one. It looks to, like it just looks so different when you're the only two in the same dress. It, yeah.
0: Well, uh. Yes, exactly. I. It's funny because it's almost better that you and I were more the age of the matching bridesmaid's dress. Yeah, because like the, like my one of my friends again, Hyla, Like she was, she literally was like, "Choose your own. I don't care." She didn't even see right. it, approve it. I picked it out <laughs> two days before up from run the runway, and we actually looked really cool. Right. It actually it looked awesome. Um. And I just can't reiterate to you guys enough. You will not have bridesmaid photos around your house. Yeah. You'll have them in albums. It's just like not that serious. Like focus on what matters. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's so bad. Um, okay. I'll let you go soon. Uh, oh, my first summer job was in a small office building. I was 16. I was essentially the office assistant. There were less than 20 people that worked there and it was very casual. Most of the men wore jeans or shorts and polo shirts. Um, but it was Florida in the dead of summer, so one day I decided to wear a sleeveless shirt to work. You did. <laughs> an hour later, I got called into my manager's office, who was a female, who and I was told that I needed to wear less revealing clothing. And she gestured to my shoulders because I worked in an office with a lot of older men, and it could be distracting for them. At the time, I was embarrassed, ashamed, and confused because everyone else seemed to be far more casual than me. Looking back. I'm 34 now. I realized how unfair this was and how she was just projecting her insecurities onto me. Um, wait, it's, it's crazy to be told that you're distracting. Like when I think what makes me, I get like, I get that when you're a minor, it's best. Like, yeah, you, I get that. You can't show your belly button, like a point, you, you know, whatever, um, and it's like a school setting or a work setting. But when people start to get into like shoulders and knees, yeah, yeah.
1: No, it just seems it's like, like too far. It's just, it just seems too
0: far. Yeah, hey, Thank you for joining me for this segment. We didn't have a ton of time. Cause like Chicago's, you know, weird times we have to meet a curfew. But, um, usually it's just me reading these to myself. And the whole point is really just reading the stories, but it's fun to like have somebody to chat with. That, this You're was, nice to join me.
1: No, I loved it. I'm so glad that I was able to come back over unexpectedly and um keep you know keep on going they I I love hearing the like listener stories because I think they're so funny there's and like the, and, the generosity of people to I write know, in it's like even if people would solicit
0: me I have stories but like I don't know that I take the time to like type you know right. it's so cool I hope that you know just me generally being more alive uh than I was <laughs> so Kelly and I recorded. A, uh, dive into three of Taylor Swift's folklore songs. It's a journey.
1: <laughs> I haven't listened back yet.
0: It's, you were so sick. I didn't feel good. And like, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. I think it was having like a bit of an allergy asthma moment. And like, I just felt so off and I was a little hungover. Um, but like, I just, I, we, I like just kept playing other songs that weren't Taylor Swift songs. And <laughs> and she did forgot about that <laughs> and uh we go into like 10 uh, we're like yeah so anyway jada pinged smith <laughs> like let's talk about uh, entanglement. entanglement i mean it's just like the. Whole, i was listening back and i'm like anyways but perhaps that's the best um indication of a convo between kelly and i because we have a great time and i'm grateful for her and i'm grateful for your visit and you'll be back in a couple of weeks so hopefully we'll do something else i'm
1: thrilled i'll be back for like a whole week in two weeks so that'll be awesome
0: you're the best love you, you mean it see you soon See ya. Bye. Okay, you guys. Thank you for joining. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thought it was kind of a fun detour into a topic that just kind of unanimously affects us all. That we maybe don't put a ton of thought in usually. That's that's my favorite type of deep dive to do. Don't forget to support Audible, audible.com slash be there in five. And uh liquidiv.com. Use code be there in five for twenty percent off. Audible com slash be there and five is where you'll get your free um audiobook and if you want to do homework for an upcoming podcast probably not next week probably the week after i don't know if i'll be able to finish it by next week in reading the new megan and harry megxit sus exit book finding freedom don't forget to grab that if you want to just a reminder my richmond show my Atlanta show my Boston show all these the venues aren't open they're all being rescheduled you should have gotten an email from all of those uh, about how to get a refund if you didn't please contact the venue I've said this sporadically on Instagram um but just a heads up because I think the Atlanta one was already a reschedule on eight twenty-eight, and there's just it's there's no way it's going to happen so they formally rescheduled it a couple weeks ago And I'm sad. I miss seeing you guys. It's what's truly a gaping void that um, even though I started doing them right before quarantine, like a few months before, it's still like it was exactly what I needed for this job. That's kind of isolating. And I just can't wait till that happens again. Um, But anyway, I know we all have our stuff going on that we're trying to work through, and I hope you all are taking very, very good care of yourself. Good luck to those going back to school. I will be thinking about you. Good luck to the amazing teachers who are having to be incredibly flexible and many are having to stock up on new supplies that lend themselves to virtual learning or to social distancing within the classroom and having to do so out of their own pocket. And teachers should not have to spend their discretionary income on supplies for their class, but they are wonderful people. So they do. I collected a list of listeners who have teacher wish lists That uh, need to be cleared. If you go to my Instagram, Abby, there five, you can find them under uh, teacher wish lists. And I also want more people to submit black uh, owned businesses I can advertise for. And there's a highlight for that as well in a form. So please clear the teachers list. Please nominate some amazing business owners uh, so I can continue to feature people on the podcast. And yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing me to be long form and long winded and just kind of own it and lean into it. It's a lot. It's been nice, not panicking as much about getting these under two hours. Um, You are my favorite people ever. And I am going to play a song that's actually by this guy named Sam Ryder r y d e r you can find him on instagram and tiktok i found him on tiktok he has this crystal clear ben platt-esque voice of an angel it is i'm addicted to listening to his videos they're just like a minute or long or 30 seconds long and he picks the most random songs but it's he's a it's just beautiful and in this case it's nothing to do with dress codes but I just have this song in my head. I love the way he sings it. And as you guys know, I've talked about before, my favorite thing, it's my favorite thing to imagine four non blondes sitting in a writing session and just writing, Hey, 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 hey. I said, Hey, what's going on? And like, Yes, it's it. Nailed it. We don't need to overcomplicate things in this life. <laughs> and uh, I hope you enjoy the musical stylings of Sam Ryder singing What's Up by four non blondes. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.
1: I step outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream from the top of my lungs, What's going on? All right, talk to your lungs. And I said, Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Hey, what's going on?